1: Welcome to WTS Waikato, a radio show and podcast taking a look at the quirkier people, groups and interests in the region. I'm producer Gary Farrow. Multiculturalism is one thing, but intercultural connections are another. Earth Diverse is based out of Kirikirua, Hamilton, and reaches out to the rest of the country and the world to help enhance cultural diversity through education. Nona Morris is a member of Earth Diverse, and she spoke to us in this episode of WTS, along with junior lecturers Michael Burton Smith and Adam Nutschowitz.
2: Okay, well, that would be me. My name's Nona, and um, my husband and I um, have had this idea brewing for a long time. Both of us come from education fields, um, and we have noticed over the years in teaching that there's a huge gap in diversity knowledge in New Zealand, and that's across languages, religious studies, um, diversity in humanities and so forth. And uh, one of the things that we felt was really vital was reaching out to majority population. There's a lot of funding for ethnic and minority groups to ensure the Met, you know, to ensure that their cultural needs are met and so forth. But there isn't a lot directed towards educating majority culture about diverse communities and their, you know, and diversity knowledge. So our um, organization really looks to fill that need to try and provide Um, hard to access languages and to try and provide information about, you know, knowledge about what just happened. Mm -hmm. Just to try and provide knowledge about different religions, different cultures, and a breadth of information across the humanities as well. And particularly because also we've seen there's been a real decline in access to the humanities at the university level that's been... um, diminishing over time and you know whereas professional degrees and so forth have been giving, been giving greater um, visibility and funding, the humanities have really kind of had a downturn. So we're trying to make sure that those different diverse ways of thinking are also being having a, 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 having a chance to be access, accessed by the public. Um, so we started about three years ago. And it's been strictly volunteer until this past year where we've had enough funding to start paying um, staff members. Our team has been growing rather quickly. Uh, it's been really excellent. We have a uh, director of languages, uh, Christina Schumacher who is in charge of right now, 11 language programs. And this includes Hindi, Urdu, Tamil, Swahili, Portuguese, Spanish, German, Hebrew, Arabic, Thai, Japanese, um, and I'm probably forgetting a few others. And those languages are just increasing. The numbers of uh, teachers that we're getting are increasing. And again, these are all hard languages to access. Um, and the courses specifically are directed to mainstream dominant majority culture in New Zealand for people who are complete, absolute beginners in the language and know nothing about the background or the culture of, from which they come. So you can just dive in and start and not worry about the fact that you're completely unfamiliar. Um, over time, we hope to make languages Uh, accessible to um, what we call sort of heritage learners, people who are second and third and fourth generation um, from particular countries who may have lost their language because of being sort of assimilated here in New Zealand and not having the opportunity to speak it. So um, we also kind of look to make sure that they can recover languages of their heritage. That's all those are the language programs within religious diversity. Um, are my husband Todd Nekowitz, and um, he, he comes from a religious studies um, background, that's his main area of scholarship. And he has uh, put together all the religious studies programs, so he offers introduction to all the major religions in the world in single term courses. So that would be. Uh, introduction to Hinduism, Buddhism, mm-hmm. Judaism, Islam, uh, Islam. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he does Sikhism, and then uh, minor religions of the world. He also looks at uh, qu- provides courses that look at topics that are relevant to the global situation these days, including um, mm-hmm. fanaticism and uh, mm-hmm. extremism. Mm-hmm. The focus there is really not. It's it's looking at what are the systems of belief, what are the practices, so that the average layperson who does not know about these religions can become uh, develop a basic understanding about that religion. The whole idea behind all of this sort of language and religion and culture study is to increase not only awareness, but to increase tolerance. (laughs) Because New Zealand is becoming a more multicultural society, and as we become more multicultural, in order to make sure that there's coherence and understanding as a society sort of evolves, we really need to make sure this knowledge is, is not only available, but that we have a lot of people, you know, coming to the table to learn about it.
1: We're recognising the diversity of cultures in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and in the world in general. uh, We're all becoming more diverse nations, uh, cultures are intermingling. But uh, you mentioned before about how humanities is taking such a back seat uh, in education at the moment, in general, in the mainstream. Why do you think that's the case when we realise how important it is?
2: From uh, everything that we've experienced and been part of, we have seen the humanities really go downhill because they are not seen as a money-making division of universities. They are, um, there is a preference for the sort of real money-driven degrees and that includes it management studies law engineering and so things that are knowledge for the sake of knowledge just to pursue the pursue new avenues of knowledge are taking that back seat as a result um, an example is the entire religious studies department at university of waikato was completely uh, disbanded. disbanded and taken off the entire the entire Waikato uh, off off of their entire curriculum offerings so and that's an example just when we have you know the world is seeing so much religiously driven conflict it was a terrible time to lose the entire religious studies department um and this is a trend that's happening it's not exclusive to this particular university in Waikato but it is happening elsewhere as well. And it's a critical time to, to reinforce the importance of humanities. And for that reason, in addition to all the diversity subjects um, I described, we also have uh, many humanities topics as well. So we have a whole humanities, social sciences, and that includes arts, architecture, um, history, particularly history from different viewpoints, that's really critical philosophy um one of the exciting classes that's been getting a lot of attention has been our philosophy history kind of interface class around death and this next term we will be running a death cafe um subjects that often don't get a place and a time to have objective discussion so um these are some of the other major areas that we are trying to make accessible to the community. The amazing thing with, um, that we are really proud of within EarthDiverse is that we have the in-person classes here in Hamilton, but they're all hybridized with Zoom and we've got some clever technology going on so that Zoom participants can feel that they are very much part of the classroom. Um, and that way anybody from anywhere in the country can take this class and in fact we're already uh, seeing international participants joining us from people who can kind of match the time zone so that's been really exciting too so we don't limit it to New Zealand it's really open to anyone anywhere in the world Um, and we Uh, have the ability to run sort of six hybridized classes simultaneously right now so um and that's you know just in an hour and a half block so we can be running these all day long and yeah. right into the evening yeah
1: did earth diverse form before uh the covid-19 pandemic and in the rolling yeah. lockdowns
2: yes yes um earth diverse was really um kind of kicked off in the beginning of 2019 Um, so we're in our third year right now Um, and so initially they were just all in class and we were slowly moving towards um, the sort of zoom technology as we realized people from outside the Hamilton area were, were keen to be involved and with the first lockdown we were just really fortunate to already have the Zoom technology in place. So we were able to roll right on into Zoom classes. And since then, we've really built up the Zoom side in a, and really given that much more capacity. In terms of learning the languages, the the main idea we have behind those is to make them at a nice, to provide them at a nice gentle pace so that... Uh, Participants don't feel the pressure to be doing homework and study every night and that sort of thing. We want them to just come have fun and learn, and most importantly, learn something about the cultures and countries in which these languages are based. So we want them to get a feel for both the language and The countries. So, for instance, Pepa Torre is our Spanish instructor. She is not only giving them Spanish language training, but she is also providing insights to Spanish culture, and in her case, particularly about Spain. Uh, Cristina Schumacher is the Portuguese uh, teacher. She also provides insights about Brazil, because that is where she is from. And so we're getting this kind of lovely mix of, of culture um, and language as it goes along so that learners are not kind of just studying grammatical constructions and learning vocabulary lists. Um, generally by the end of a, the sessions are once a week for eight weeks over the cross of four eight week terms. And it, what we see is Usually by term two, by the end of the second, by the end of the sixteenth week of learning, and this is only after sort of um, each each session. Like I said, is an hour and a half. But after that period of time, uh, the participants are able to hold simple, basic conversation, and they're usually feeling pretty good because they have achieved that much. In what feels like not a lot of investment of time. So um, that's been really quite exciting. Um, Todd Nakowitz, who teaches both the Hindi and the Urdu classes, um, you know, he spends the first term, as in other languages that require learning a new script, he spends the first term teaching the script. And so that from then on, participants will be reading the words that they learn, the vocabulary words and the sentences that they're learning in that script so that they can get the pronunciation exact. They're not using an English sort of decoding or um, transcription. So um, in terms of the other classes, humanities, religious studies, the cultural-based classes, the history, Over the course of those terms, they are information packed. We have some outstanding lecturers who've come from the university, who've come from areas of expertise, and they absolutely make, they pack full their lectures with um, content, um, interesting discussion questions, and um, we also invite participants to give us their ideas about what they would like to learn about. And if they provide something that they want to learn about, then we go and find the person and provide that to the best of our ability. So that's been really um, sort of the way we run those. I would say it's absolutely critical because, again, as we're becoming more multicultural in terms of demography, we're not yet there in terms of being able to interact multiculturally, we are um not yet at that stage that we would say is intercultural we're multicultural in demography, but we 're not intercultural. Intercultural demands that there is knowledge and um, ability to meet somebody. At that halfway point, right now, most of our migrants are the ones that have to learn English. They've got to go 100% of the way to learn English, to learn to operate and function in a Kiwi society. But our majority dominant culture doesn't have to make a move towards Mm -hmm. them. We would like to see majority dominant culture move 50% in, learn some of the language, learn some of the basics about the religion, learn some things about the community, learn about different ways of seeing, understanding and thinking. And that's what will bring about an actual intercultural uh, community. So that's why we see what we're doing is really critical because that's not happening. And I come from a teaching background. I've been in the school systems here and I know that the intercultural aspects are not happening. The multicultural is like a tick box. You know, we say tick. We've got all these students from different countries. Tick. Uh, we have an uh, international day. Tick. But that doesn't mean that the school is operating with the the best int- the the you know with the best interests in mind for those migrant students. Those students are being still asked to assimilate and become kiwiized whereas the dominant culture students are not being asked to come halfway um, and meet the migrant students. So that's the difference. And we would like to see majority culture have that opportunity to be educated, to, to gain some of this knowledge. And overall, why this is so critical is because this is what is going to mitigate racism and discrimination. and ultimately improve social cohesion. It's not going to happen unless we get majority culture to come halfway. Yeah, our website is EarthDiverse, written as all one word, dot org.nz. Um, if they come to the website, all the courses are listed there. Um, and ways to get in contact is uh, are right there.
0: Info
2: at- so or if they want to email it's info at earthdiverse.org.nz. So those are the others. There's just a couple more things that we are involved in and we've been involved in for years. um, And that is um, two things I mentioned. We're building our biodiversity thing because we do see that cultural diversity and uh, environmental and uh, biodiversity are hand in hand. The biodiversity programs are in their early stages right now, but they're going to be built up we also see a real need for more layperson um educational opportunities in the sciences because that science knowledge is really critical for understanding so many of the global global conditions that are are, are that we're facing everything from climate change to the pandemics um there's so much socially driven panic about different things but the scientific knowledge that underlays it needs to be conveyed and in a very um, layperson friendly manner. So we're, we're looking to start building that as well. Um, so with that, we've got um, a course in ethics around technology to ask those questions about some of the difficult questions that are going to be coming and facing humans in the next now to the next few years, everything around um you know, should robots be caring for the elderly because the technology is there, but is that an ethical decision that we need to consider? To um, questions around, should we, you know, we have the genetic, we have the technology to build the perfect genetic baby. Is that something we should go ahead with? This is the science philosophical uh, course that we're coming up with, that we're offering this, this term um and then the other area that we wanted to um build on is um letting our young people express and share their knowledge with the community um there is in our inherently in the sort of western education system this sort of tiered system of you've got to go through all of these different steps before you're considered credible enough to share something with the community and to teach. And in fact, that's not the case. Um, having worked with young people in the education sector for so long, there are lots of incredibly bright young people out there who are very knowledgeable in a particular area that they have chosen to um learn about so with that with that in mind we're developing what we're calling the junior lecturer series and we've got our two first junior lecturers um, that are going to launch their classes their courses this coming term so i've got them here to talk with you now and i'll just bring them on in just a minute but um the last thing I wanted to add was that um, for us, it's not just about education, there's that community outreach aspect as well, and trying to make sure we're bridging that. So we run in concert with a uh, with GoEco, the former Environment Waikato Center, um, and with... Um, a couple of other community organizations, a multicultural planting at Waifakareke. Um, We do that annually um, and, you know, get a good 800 trees in the ground or whatever has been uh, allocated to us by the city council. But that's an important part of what we do. And we try to bring together members of all the different ethnic communities for this multicultural tree planting. We also in the pre-COVID days offered free public lectures on a topic that is often not, it it was a a topic that was potentially challenging, but the idea was to challenge people's way of thinking. So again, those, um, we need to wait again for COVID uh, lockdown periods to end before we can reintroduce those. But we do try and outreach and provide some of these sort of free public events to bring the communities together.
1: Michael Burton-Smith is one of the junior lecturers.
0: Yeah, so I'm doing a course on the social history of birds. Um, I've been an avid bird watcher since I was six years old. I love them to bits. I think a lot of people do like looking at the birds out of their window. But through my history degree at university, I started to think, what are the interactions between birds and historical culture? How did they contribute to the growth of things like religion to the concept of the nation state and the one of the really interesting ones that I'm researching a lot at the moment now is how did the communist states use passerines and small birds like sparrows to solidify their national identity by the idea of birds who didn't want to be unique birds who just wanted to contribute to the greater good of their groups um and so all of those sorts of interactions as well as the history of bird watchers sort of excited me I got talking about it with Nona and we sort of came up with the idea of doing this course. That's sort of what my course tries to go from. It's starting with the religious values and ending up with the taming of birds, chickens, that sort of stuff. So going through all those different phases and ways that we've interacted with them. The thing about birds is they are literally everywhere. You know, Maori in New Zealand didn't have roaming herds of wildebeest and that sort of thing. But birds are in every part of the world. And so you have people who comment on Maasai tribes in Africa and the relationship between bird song and the morning songs of woman. Uh, in China, the relationship between the crane is the moral guide of the nation. You know, they form lifelong partnerships and their primary role is parenthood and that sort of thing. And the Andes, the condor, which washes away the sins of the people. So you do have, because birds are just everywhere, they became this global religious phenomenon of looking at birds and thinking about what they meant spiritually. I'm Adam, um, and I'm going to be teaching a course on sort of the biological basis of disease and then sort of tracking that along through the social impacts throughout history. Um, And I think that's really quite um, necessary right now, given the current situation. Um, It's sort of just shedding some light on biologically what's going on and then socially how we reach this point. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, And it's really interesting to see that sort of development from... Um, sort of superstitions as you were saying um, before we had a scientific basis Mm -hmm. to now when we do have that scientific basis and understanding how we can actually treat disease in a practical way
1: Thanks to Earth Diverse, Nona Morris, Michael Burton-Smith and Adam Natchevitz for being the subjects of this episode of WTS Waikatoa WTS Waikatoa More information is available at earthdiverse.org.nz if you liked what you heard in this episode of WTS Waikato, you can like the show on Facebook or find it wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, stay safe and be kind. Thanks to FreeFM, the Community Access Media Alliance and New Zealand On Air for making this show happen. Oh, yeah. <coughs> uh.